Chapter 18 of Grandpa in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 18 The Mischievous Playfellows. Bright and early next morning, Grandpa lined up his little army, and after a short council, they determined to continue their march to the Emerald City and learn from Ozma's magic picture just where Abrog and the lost princess of Perhaps City were to be found. Although breakfast had been a light affair of water and berries, they were all in excellent spirits, and with Grandpa's drum beating out a lively march, they stepped merrily down the shady winky lane. Grandpa and the forgetful poet led off. Dorothy and the Prince of Ragbad followed, the prince carrying his father's head and his red umbrella. Eartha danced in and out to suit her own sweet fancy. Bill flew ahead, and Toto trotted contentedly behind. "'Here I go by the name of Bill!' crowed the weathercock exultantly. "'By the name of Bill!' Grandpa winked at Percy Veer, and Percy Veer winked back. "'Isn't he ridiculous?' whispered the forgetful poet merrily. "'But then we're all ridiculous in spots.' His eyes rested a moment on Grandpa's game leg. "'Yes,' continued Percy Veer with a droll nod. "'Everything, when you come to think of it, is simply Zenubius. Why do we call ourselves an army, pray, when we might just as well call ourselves a footy? Have we not as many feet as arms? Why do we say good day on a rainy morning, and... "'One thing at a time, one thing at a time,' objected the old soldier testily. "'Aren't you afraid you'll strain your brain, young man?' "'I think and think both late and early, for thinking makes the brain grow curly,' chuckled the irrepressible poet, at which Grandpa beat such a tattoo upon his drum that the next verses were quite drowned out. But as soon as Grandpa stopped drumming, Percy burst out again. I met a spick and spaniard once, he was so spick and span. He even had his toes curled up, believe me, if you, uh, if you... I can believe anything, Mr. Fear, said Grandpa grimly. Then try this, roared the forgetful poet, waving his arms. If fifty boats and fifty crews were gathered in a group, why wouldn't it be proper, sir, to call the crews a coop? Admit, old dear, that this is clear, as clear, as clear as— Soup, groaned Grandpa in spite of himself. Vegetable soup, he added bitterly, and, reaching in his pocket, jerked out the wizard's medicine. What are you doing? asked Percy curiously, as he ran his finger hurriedly down the green label. "'Looking for a cure,' said the old soldier, raising his eyebrows significantly. But there was no cure for forgetful poetry on the green label, so with a sigh Grandpa returned the bottle to his pocket. "'What can't be cured must be endured,' said the old soldier glumly, and, pursing up his lips, he began to whistle a sad tune. Dorothy and Tatters exchanged amused glances, and Eartha, who had been skipping beside Percy Veer, touched him on the arm. "'Is the princess of Perhaps City pretty?' asked the little flower fairy timidly. 
She could not bear to think of Tatter's marrying an ugly princess. I should guess, mercy, yes, I should say, April, uh, April... Trouble ahead, trouble ahead, crowed Bill before anyone could finish the verse. Just then a turn in the lane brought them plump into a huge fenced-in park. The fence was much too high to climb, and stretched as far on either side as they could see. "'I never saw this place before,' said Dorothy, peering curiously between the bars. "'But maybe if we knock on the gate someone will let us in. Then we can march through and out the other side.' "'Here's the gate,' called Persevere, who had run a little ways to the right. "'And here's the sign.' "'Play,' announced the sign over the gate." All work on these grounds forbidden. Just below was a smaller sign. No trespassing. Well, we don't want to trespass. We want to just pass through, chortled the forgetful poet, and before anyone could stop him he had hammered hard upon the gates. Immediately loud roars of laughter sounded all through the park. Footsteps scurried over the lawns, and the next instant the gayest company that Dorothy ever had seen came crowding forward. Pierrettes and Pierrots, hundreds of them. The girls in full-skirted frocks with tall, saucy caps. The men in pantaloon suits and frills. While they smiled and waved through the bars, the King of Play, who looked, as Dorothy told Ozma afterwards, exactly like a court jester, the king himself swung open the gates, and with a low bow invited them to enter. So of course they did. And before Grandpa could give the order to break ranks or fall out, or even say hello, the playfellows had fallen upon his army and simply borne them away. Only Bill escaped, and nervously he hovered over his friends, determining if necessary to drop on the heads of this exuberant company. "'Wait! Stop! Halt!' puffed the old soldier, who was being dragged toward a merry-go-round by five of the mischievous Pierrettes. Dorothy and Percy Veer were being rushed as unceremoniously to the swings, for a dozen of the Pierrots were begging Eartha for a dance. Tatters, holding his father's head high over his own, was hustled off to a high wooden slide, and to nothing that any of them said would the playfellows pay the slightest attention. Indeed, there was so much noise and confusion they could not have heard if they had tried. Bands played, and fountains played, and the playfellows played, and the creak of the swings, and the squeak of the merry-go-rounds, and the roars of the delighted Pierrettes and Pierrots as they hustled their visitors from one amusement to another were enough to deafen a gatepost. Toto, after one shocked glance at the boisterous company, scampered off and hid himself in a button-bush, where he watched anxiously for a chance to escape. Poor Bill, trying to keep all the company in view at once, flew in dizzying circles over the park, almost cross-eyed with the strain. After his sixteenth merry-go-round, Grandpa gave up trying to explain, and, staggering over to a soap-bubble fountain, fell in. But the playfellows quickly pulled him out and insisted upon his joining in a game of tag. The only bright spot in the whole dreadful experience was the finding of a bubble pipe. 
which Grandpa hastily picked from his bush and thrust into his pocket. Percy and Dorothy fared no better. "'This is worse than washing,' groaned the forgetful poet, as a wild company of pierrettes dragged them round and round the mulberry bush. "'Play, play, play!' shouted King Capers, dashing from group to group and banging the company right and left with his belled and beribboned scepter. "'Play, play, play!' "'I never knew fun was such hard work,' panted Tatters to Bill, who was circling immediately above his head. The poor prince was black and blue all over from sliding down the slides, but every time he objected the playfellows would pull him to the top and scream with merriment as he came sliding down again. There were too many heads to fall on, and Bill, powerless to help, screamed his rage and indignation at the mannerless crowd. There was much to be seen and marveled at in the playgrounds, but as the company agreed later, Playing when you want to play and being forced to play are two quite different things, so that the balloon vines, top trees, and checker bushes went almost unnoticed. Indeed, all that any of them could think of was getting away. Eartha was the first to make her escape. The little flower fairy had been treated so gently and considerately by Grandpa and Tatters since her coming to life in the enchanted garden that she did not know what to make of the rude manners of the playfellows. When they began snatching flowers from her hair and pulling her roughly from place to place, her violet eyes widened with terror and dismay. Watching her opportunity, she sprang away from them and sped like the wind across the gardens. Now the runner does not exist who can outdistance a fairy, so it was not long before Eartha left her tormentors behind. And better still, the little flower fairy had run directly into a wicket gate leading out of the playgrounds. Opening the gate she slipped through, and then, because she was still frightened, she kept running and running till she was as lost as one raindrop in a thunder shower. There is no telling how long the others would have been forced to endure the teasing of the playfellows if a gong had not sounded from a distant part of the grounds. Immediately the whole company trooped off, and, without waiting to find out the meaning of the bell, Grandpa's army rushed to the nearest exits. "'Oh, I'm done for,' gasped Persevere, rolling under a tree. Oh, "'Let me curl up like a pretzel and bake—I mean, die.' Toto, who had followed close upon the heels of the harassed company, curled up beside him. "'But where's Eartha?' cried Tatters, staring around wildly. "'Where's Grandpa?' "'She ran away long ago,' crowed Bill, flying over the fence. "'That way!' he pointed his claw toward the east. "'Oh, dear, oh, dear, where is the old soldier?' wailed Dorothy, jumping up and down with impatience. "'We ought to get away from here quick.' "'I'll find him,' volunteered Bill. "'Wait here.' Back went the devoted weathercock and after flying over the entire playgrounds he found Grandpa asleep under a checker-bush. "'Wake up!' cried Bill, jumping up and down on his chest. "'The coast is clear. Forward march by the name of Grandpa!' The old soldier stirred uneasily, rubbed his eyes, and then sprang up, but immediately tumbled down again, 
for while he slept the wretched playfellows had run off with his game leg. "'What in time?' blustered the old soldier, picking himself up again. But being a man of action and seeing a crowd of pierrettes emerging from a big hall not far away, Grandpa snatched up a long-handled croquet mallet and, using it as a crutch, hobbled with all his might toward the exit pointed out by Bill. Here he was met by Percy Vere and Dorothy, and after a startled look, each seized one of his arms, and away they ran as fast as five legs would take them. Percy carried the king's head, and Dorothy the red umbrella. Tatters had dropped both when he discovered that Eartha was missing, and had dashed off in search of her. And it was not long before he picked up the trail, for every step of the flower maiden was marked out in daisies and forget-me-nots. Paying no attention to rocks, sticks, brambles, and thorns, the Prince of Ragbad pushed on, his only thought to find and comfort the sweet and lost little fairy who had made the day so pleasant and the journey so happy for them. End of chapter 18